0: Hello everybody, I am Adeshola Balogun, and you are welcome to the Coffee and Beans Podcast. Um, This episode is a special one. Um, Remember, we are doing a series on entrepreneurship and um, entrepreneurs, and this episode is sponsored by Udalu. Udalu is a platform that connects professionals with clients. Udalu is spelled Y-O-O-D-A-L-O. Find them on udalu.com today. Um, A few months ago, I ran a program with the Faith Foundation, the Emerging Entrepreneurs Program, and um, it made me realize, after spending over a decade being an entrepreneur, that there were a lot of things that I needed to, a lot of my processes that I needed to rejig, a um, a lot of things that I needed to end, a lot of knowledge that I needed to acquire. And that program shed a lot of light on... The need to do that, and today, with today, I have with me the CEO of the Faith Foundation, Adenike Adeyemi. Um She's someone I admire. Someone who, I mean, she she, she, she facilitated um, a couple of pro, uh, a couple of uh, sessions, and they were mind blowing. And um, today, we, we we will discuss the future of the African entrepreneur and also scaling your business and how to go about it, why you need to go about it. Um, Adinike Ademi is an expert in small and growing businesses, policy, institutional transformation, non sustainability, philanthropy, and corporate governance. Her 20-year experience includes working in the private, public, and development sectors to develop, fund, and implement innovative programs and high-impact policies for MSMEs that is medium, small, micro enterprises and young people. She's the CEO for Faith Foundation, Nigeria's foremost business incubator, which has connected over 193,000 aspiring and emerging entrepreneurs with a range of resources, including capacity building, advisory services, mentoring and financing to start, grow and scale their businesses under her leadership the foundation set up the faith institute as a thought leader on nigeria's msmes and has produced 14 research reports on the entrepreneurship ecosystem she also led the expansion of the faith school of Entrepreneurship's incubation owner manager and accelerator programs to 27 states and has published nine books for nigerian entrepreneurs she also oversees the faith giving which raised disbursed and closed a one million dollar fund For the Faith Philanthropy Coalition for COVID-19 Support Fund in 2020. Now, prior to joining the Faith Foundation, she has worked at KPMG Nigeria, the Leadership Initiative, the New Jersey Educational Opportunity Program, and the West African NGO Network. She has also interned at the Africa America Institute. She has a Master's of Public Administration and a Master's of Arts in Diplomacy and International Relations from Seton Hall University in 2005. She has a BA in Linguistics from the University of Ibadan. She's a 2020 Eisenhower Global Women Leaders Fellow. She has board experience, um, trustee of the Youth Business International Council member, uh, the 2022 NESG Nigerian Economic Summit, and so on. Such a rich CV. You're welcome to the podcast. Thank
1: you. It's my absolute pleasure that we finally, <laughs>
0: finally, <laughs> after rejigging our schedules, but I know like how, the world
1: was against us, but yes, it
0: happened. I know how busy you are. Thank you for finding time to. I'm
1: really honoured. I
0: always enjoy having conversations like this. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Um, I want to even start like, so I mean, I've had the opportunity to react to you a few times, and I know see how passionate you are about entrepreneurs. How did that come about? Because you found out that there are not too many people. There are people in positions of Realize your authority or power and people that can do something, can do something to help entrepreneurs, but it can't be bothered. But I see that verb, I see that drive to see entrepreneurs succeed. How did that come about? Like, where, where, where did that come from, if I might ask?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a good question, you know, and it's one that I have had to think about. It actually happened by chance. Uh, when I started working in when I my when I did my NYC in two thousand and one, I worked with a nonprofit organization. Okay. And subsequently, even in and out of graduate school, I worked with nonprofits up until about 2006 and seven. But even though I was passionate about impact work, you know, developing programs that impacted people. At the time, I realized that there was a way that my friends would speak about strategy, managing money. You know, one of my friends asked me a question on, so if I give you $100, can you translate the value of impact that that will have? And I could not answer it in that way. I can tell you what we'll use the $100 for, but I couldn't give you like the financial impact mm-hmm. of that so I then said okay there's a business knowledge I do not have mm-hmm. that other people have and I need to find a way to get it and so that led to my joining KPMG and I joined KPMG in, in 2007 um, in the management consulting division and that really exposed me to just visioning you know having an idea to build things and to impact whether it's an impacting you know, or a financially focused business, like a business rather and so i spent a few years in kpmg and then by chance i think this was in 2011 i was up until then working on development projects so working with working to help develop the strategy and institutional transformation for other fund foundations nonprofit large uh, public sector funds okay. and not necessarily any private sector business uh, as it is um, but by chance um, I had to replace a um, a colleague who had to go on another assignment and then um, I had to replace her to manage um, a a a project. Um, that we're doing at the time for one for a leading indigenous Nigerian entrepreneur. And because of my expertise in strategy, I was able to, you know, I, I got to then manage the project. And I found it quite inspiring that this was, this was now a second generation business. And this is somebody, mm-hmm. that if I mention his name, you'll know. He's a leader in the automobile business industry and he was trying to build and set up a family office and really just re-envisioning the business mm-hmm. beyond him. Yeah. And I found... The passion, the, in fact, the way the business had evolved because it, the person was not in auto when he started. He was doing something with textiles, wow. actually. And then some of, somewhat came up cross this opportunity with that and over the course of from that particular project i just found myself and intentionally then looked for um, who would call like entrepreneurial leaders who were owner managers and then just looking to strategically (laughs) strategically (laughs) strategically reposition their businesses so we did in hospitality in retail in in trade and all of that and, and what, I've, what I've found from then, this is, you know, now 12 years to date, is just even the passion and the audacity that people like yourselves decide to do, to say, okay, I'm interested in this idea, and I think I can make money from this idea. Let's see how it goes. And the risks involved, the emotional risks, um, and all of that. So be, that then, in addition to my development and impact-focused experience right. and passion, were just two great alignments. And so when it was then late 2014, I decided that okay, I wanted to transition out of KPMG, KPMG yeah. and go to another nonprofit. And then I came across Fate. Fate was the perfect marriage of my impact hat and my business head and my newly acquired appreciation and work with working with entrepreneurs in the last three, four years at that time. And so that that's how it started. It started. And and Honestly and I mean we can talk about that uh, as we go on in the conversation I am fueled by the passion for the entrepreneurs that I meet day in and day out period
0: It's amazing it's 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 amazing um cuz um, cuz I see I see that you know you are interested in what we do you 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 are it's not just oh let's let let me know what you do because I'm the CEO or I'm in a position you you really are interested in attending events and 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 you know knowing the nitty gritty of our day to day, which which I feel is absolutely amazing. If I might ask, is there a certain are there certain sectors you like to work with, or work yeah, or work or every sector is if I every I know that so, so every, or, or, or every sector is I mean yeah follows the same.
1: So it's a, it's both because particularly Nigerian entrepreneurs yes. who I'm passionate about. I'm particularly interested in sectors that have significant socioeconomic impact, that are job drivers, you know, and job accelerators. I'm particularly interested that harness skills, creativity, and just the dynamics of of us, even as a country and even the continent. And so for me, it will be sectors within that cover the creatives value chain. Right. I feel that in another life, I probably would be a creative myself, whether design, architecture, even fashion, you know, I'm interested definitely in the agribusiness value chain end to end. Because if you look at those two types of, those two sectors, I'm also interested in other sessions but I'll start with that right right? if you're able to harness and effectively support entrepreneurs in that space what are the different things you do first of all if you look at creatives creatives make people happy whether people like yourselves who dress people to the nines and make people good that's number one number two they also shine and showcase Nigeria our creativity is one of the things that is showing just really the unbelievable potential of Nigeria. I was in the US for about four or five weeks last month, and at least three times in a week, I would enter a shop or be on the road and hear somebody playing Nigerian music, music. you know? And so even just the potential to to give us, um, to showcase, the enormous talent that we have, it's there. And then just even jobs, jobs, jobs. jobs. You know, um, a lot of entrepreneurs at Faith, yourself, you're employing, you know, three to 10 people, in some cases, 50 to 100 people. The when, During the pandemic, when people were worried about the impact of the pandemic, the calls I got and the conversations I had with Faith Foundation entrepreneurs. Was not really about oh, what will happen to my business when it dies. The concern for a lot of our entrepreneurs it's was that what will happen to my employees? To people, yeah, that this my staff. He's the money he makes. He makes well, the money he makes when he's paid every month is what he uses for rent. Is what he uses for food. If I don't pay my staff, there will be serious problem. People can die. People can be. Um, sent out of their houses. So just even that ripple on effects and the impact it has on lives and livelihoods is, is there. Um, and then again, in, in a hard environment, Yeah. and now somewhat even impossible environment, people doing things despite the odds. And so those are the things that make me excited. And to that extent is that, But then on the flip side, one of the things that Faith Foundation is also helping me to see is that also showing entrepreneurial opportunities in places where you'd never have thought before. So one of the things we've been doing recently is also expanding entrepreneurial opportunities in places like sustainability and climate change. Mm. Because that's not where you'd traditionally see entrepreneurship. But you have to make connection with saying that these things are things that will impact climate, the environment, um, in whatever way, shape or form, but in trying to help people understand the problems and solve the issue, if you also provide a perspective and lens for which they also know that it's a win-win and where they could create viable jobs. So something as simple as um, one of our entrepreneurs who is doing things in upcycling and who takes waste plastics and then transforms them to tiles wow. that people use in the house. Wow. So you see that value chain effect, you see that upcycling effect, you see creativity, but you also see her empowering a young Nigerians across Lagos mm-hmm. who then collect this plastic who are then solving the problem of you know ensuring All that waste collection, waste collection yeah. is there contributing and handshaking with institutions like LOMA but they're also deriving incomes from that and the product she's then using also acts as input supply to that so it's really a very dynamic ecosystem that keeps evolving and whatever sector you look at if education even that is also great because of the role of education in the sector but also the importance of people knowing that they they should be able to build to a build, sustainable yeah. model even while running an education business. So
0: interesting. That that's that's actually very, very interesting. Um you mentioned something which which of course I feel it's it's, it's common knowledge the if I'm gonna use the word stifling environment especially as I mean I don't talk about my my focus on my the, I won't talk about African entrepreneurs but of course with a focus on Nigeria because i i i work in nigeria lagos you have a... I mean i i i see that faith foundation has s- set up in twenty seven states out of thirty six
1: we we've we run, we've run, we run, run programs, programs across twenty eight states
0: twenty eight which, yes. which 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 i which which is which is absolutely awesome do you do you have any in the north
1: so yes, we do. We do um, we've do. we run... So even right in the next one to two months, we're going to run a program in Plateau State. We've run in Kaduna. Physical, physical? Yes, we physical, do. So we don't have physical offices. offices we do yes. a lot of partnership models. Right. Where we also work with um, SME organizations okay. who are already established there. Because our business model also has to be efficient. Sure. So we can't afford to have offices in 28 states. Uh, but definitely this year, we will do Abuja, we'll do Kaduna, uh, we will do Kano, uh, we'll do Plateau State, um, and yeah. So okay. as as long as uh, in line with our model, it's safe and secure. Right, we'll right. be able to do that.
0: So, because why I'm asking, is what is the, what is the, um, how receptive are the entrepreneurs to those to the to the to the knowledge being shared? Um, um, how 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 excited are they? I mean, I know I could feel the excitement in the room when. When when, I, when when I was running the EP, is that is that is that, is that the same in, in the other states? Because I I mean I think that Lagos is vibrant. So can I tell you something? Yes,
1: <laughs> We've, I feel and so let me not let me say this as a unique, a opinion and not facts. <laughs> honestly. I love Lagos entrepreneurs because there's that dynamism, my energy, because we're also in a cosmopolitan, well, cities, commercial capital of Nigeria, and all of that, and and Lagos entrepreneurs have access to the leading corporates and everything. But once you start to move outside of Lagos, the interest, the curiosity... Um, and the appreciation of knowledge takes a different dynamic. Because I think we Lagos entrepreneurs. And again, please, no beef to my <laughs> Lagos. Here, so our Lagos entrepreneurs here. It's almost like, yeah, if I don't do this program, you know, maybe I'll, not, I'll go and I'll do another know, know, program that, yeah. and all of that. So there's not really... Options are available. In a lot of other cities, they are not. And so the intensity... So they milk it. To which that knowledge is grabbed. And then you also see people that are working. Because in Lagos, you can say that if I'm in the fashion business, you know, I would have... Clients, particularly if you're dealing with young, upwardly mobile, mm-hmm. um, those are the kind of clientele you serve. Um, their banks, their telecom companies, their startups, a lot of them based in Lagos that I can serve. But you're then finding that people outside of Lagos have to look much more actively sure. for their clients, or in some cases even create, create markets their and markets, the interests yes. uh, um, to even show people that this is money that you'd be expecting. And obviously even the costs... Of the pricing is also much mm-hmm, more higher mm-hmm. in the Lagos, and you can make that. So I think the interest, the curiosity, the passion, it, is, it feels like people are lapping all of that. Just even Aibado, you know that I was in the yes, yeah. last week. We just finished an eight week program uh, targeted at young people who are in university. And one of the advantages of the unfortunate situation of the strike is that the students from UI, from Ibadopoli, Leeds City University, you know, your state, 40 of them could come for eight weeks and do this. It was unbelievable. You know, and yes, the ones we did in Lagos, it was great. But, you know, that interest was different. different, I was not able to go to... ABBA, uh, which we just, which we finished uh, um, um, about, um, was it? I think it was Onicha. We finished that about four weeks ago, but my colleagues were there. And the way they also described the interest, the passion, the learning experience. And so Nigeria is not just Lagos. <laughs> yes, Lagos is a commercial the whole, center yeah. of that. But one of the great things about the entrepreneurial ecosystem in Nigeria is that it's very dynamic and it is diverse. And so, even when we are going into other places, we have to find a way to indigenize the knowledge, the knowledge yes. and the information. Yes. So one yes. of the things we've been actively doing is working in partnership with governments, with other nonprofits and similar actors like us to make sure that the content, even the facilitators that come to speak, 60%, 70% of them are people who understand the local the operating local. environment, the policies that are in place, the regulations, and really just the dynamics of running a business within that space. Because
0: I was going to ask that, do you do, you do a tailored Made um, cu- curriculum per per region per state, or I mean, because I see that you you've authored and I, and and I must say the, the entrepreneurship books are rich. Thank you. So, um, um, do you do you do you tailor make um, each um, paper um, um, resource and all of that to each state you go, or or how does how does that work?
1: That's a great question. So, one of the as you know, we have under Faith Foundation, we have what Faith we call School. the Faith School of Entrepreneurship. Yes. And so, Faith School of Entrepreneurship is what delivers all our training programs um, that we do across all entrepreneurship levels. We have a department called the Learning and Influence Department. Okay. And so we were at the heart of a school where we develop a standard curriculum. And it's very Nigerian-focused. So right. You know, we say that even if you have to take it elsewhere, you have to still adapt it to the local environment. So there's a standard curriculum that is done. But then what then happens is that when we're then now running programs in other cities or locations, we then now say, okay, what are the peculiar dynamics that we then need to take into consideration for this, because I'll give an example. Financial management is, you know, is the relative basics around mm-hmm. developing a budget, understanding record keeping, understanding what makes your income, your expenditure, understanding how to even, you know, know if you're making the profit and what are the key metrics and all of that. But um, depending on the sector you're in and depending on the location and the kind of business. There are aspects to that that you then need to have a lens on, so sometimes it 's not even just a geographical lens, but even a sector lens. so we're in September schools are going to we 're going to oh, September now right. schools, schools are going are to open cash flow cycles of an education business is very different, it's different. from your type of business yes. and so what we consistently try to do is to make sure that those dynamics are then reflected in our curriculum as we do. And what we also say is that it's a continuous improvement process. So we made a joke in your class that by the time you come from the next EEP, you'd have seen some additional modifications because we've looked back and said, okay, what works? uh, What's the standard knowledge we want to give? That should always be there. And what has worked and what can we add or just sort of review with that? So that's how we do it. We We had to have a special team that their work really is on making sure the program delivers the outcome which is that you can use that knowledge. So, they, You know what we always say is what we told you guys was that we don't want you to get the knowledge and be excited <laughs> but that excitement does not translate it's to not, business yes, growth. Yes. So how can you take that knowledge and practically be able and to translate use it, it start to start and grow yes, yes. and scale your business?
0: Yes. I mean, So I, 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 like I said before, I, I like your optimism. You, you, are, you are like a glowing fire where if somebody is feeling down, they come to you and you are excited about your business but really, Really, I didn't care. I want you to be very honest. What's the what is the future of the Nigerian? Because to be honest, on the streets, the and I'm glad that you know you your focus is on is on MSMEs. Mm-hmm. Um, um, there's I, I sense I sense a lot of despondent. I mean, which is one of the reasons why this the season for this podcast is focusing on entrepreneurs, because um, um, there's so much oh, I don't know what to do, the currency um uh, the our currency is constantly taking a dip um um not just even Nigeria globally um uh, so what really is the future of the Nigerian entrepreneur should he be ex- should he or she be excited about the future should, should 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 they should they as i say a good times coming hmm. You, you, you know, so, I mean, please shed more light on that. So, please.
1: okay. Um, it's a good question, and like, not just even for entrepreneurs, but even Nigerian <laughs> citizens Genius. as a whole. Um, and thankfully also, one of the things we've done through our research part is also to say that if we don't understand the context with which entrepreneurs are operating, our curriculum and programming will be flawed. What is the current outlook that we're seeing? I'm not an economist, um, but you know there are very strong and clear signs of macroeconomic stability, um, double-digit inflation. Um we have uh uncertainties around our monetary and fiscal mm-hmm. policies, so even things around FX rate. Right. A lot of entrepreneurs are very dependent, dependent directly yes. and indirectly, and because it's also an export import-driven economy. economy yes. So everything you're doing for yourself, you know, you're buying fabric, you're buying accessories, a lot of them are made from outside from of outside. Nigeria. And that, that uncertainty is around is it one dollar to four twenty or is it one dollar to seven hundred? You're 700. punching, punching, you're the punching and there's not so many things you can also immediately transfer Transfer. to Mm -hmm. the customer. Customer. Um, And then there's also even just the outlook, right? Because in a thriving economy, uh, except you're doing essential food like staples, every other thing you know, falls down. So even you as an individual, you'd also be making those decisions yes. that what am I eating, what food, you... <laughs> food is not luxury. I yeah. eat food to satiate myself and my family and then every other thing is dependent. According to, um, I, and I, cor- I, I may be corrected on this, but I believe, I think Q4, 2021 or Q1 2022 from the Nigerian Bureau of Statistics showed that um, Nigerians were now spending at least 60% of their income on food. On food,
0: yes, yes, I read that.
1: And so if you're an entrepreneur who is not dealing with food and who is not dealing with basic food, um, that means that the, your customer has to then look to say whatever you are selling does it fall that into that 40% or that they are not spending on food and then even if you're dealing in food you know you have to it has to be that you're you're dealing in basic food so what that then means is that every person is then fighting for a a, a sliver of the expense, expense that yeah. individuals can make and so right now it doesn't necessarily seem very positive and from from my lens you know it it does not seem so um but what i would say which has also always been the thing about nigeria is just the potential and the opportunities because on the flip side as you're looking at as challenges um i can say that for instance some of our entrepreneurs the last 2 3 years Even this year has been their best Best years yet. And that's the great thing about entrepreneurship is that sometimes even in the midst of challenges, that's where um, growth comes from ideas. That's where opportunities come from. And so the first question I would always say is that it depends on what you're offering. It depends on your product and it depends on your service. Um, That's number one. Number two, I am never one to give up on Nigeria. I am, I am a Nigerian patriot, as they say, you know, (laughs) through and through, because I have no other country than Nigeria. And yes, I can leave, but I, can I carry my entire family with me? You know, I can carry my family, but I will have cousins, family, all of that. And just even looking at the fact that Nigeria's potential role, not just even in Africa, but even in the world, whether even our population, our young, vibrant talent, our domestic, uh, put the potential mm-hmm. of our markets across different uh, growth sectors, um, there are a lot of opportunities there. So my first thing is to encourage 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 and encourage entrepreneurs yeah. because globally also a lot of things we're going through is also being experienced across the world and even in a lot of developed countries. You know, um, listening to news of UK reports, they're struggling significantly. Most countries are dealing with higher um, quarter-to-quarter inflation Inflation rates. rates, We're seeing the CBN, uh, the central banks coming and intervening with that. We're seeing growth in unemployment and all of that. So it's also not just a Nigerian thing. What makes the Nigerian dynamics even much more critical is issues around insecurity. Yes. Issues around uncertainty in government policies, right? Issues around the crisis of energy. So I'm sure where we are right now, there's a generator yep. powering it because you can't assure light. So those are the things that also make it even additionally difficult to run a business in Nigeria. But one of the things we keep saying is that because we have those risks, you are dead, those risks are not obvious risks, right? They're risks that you can plan for. And then the first question you then ask is that, should you even still be in business? Mm. You know, for our AEP, which is our aspiring entrepreneurs program, one of the things we say sometimes is that you may finish this AP and realize that, you know, you should close down this business. <laughs> and it will, yeah. sp- it will be sad for us, but, you know, the program has actually done What he said is to do to show the the viability of the business. So the question any entrepreneur should ask themselves is that, how do I even know if my business is viable, even in the current term and the Mm -hmm. climate? Number two is that we also have power as entrepreneurs. So one of the things, you know, we always advocate is you also have to be engaged in the sectors, in the industries, in the value chains that you're involved with. Because what has happened for a long time, which we think is now changing now, is that people who are not running businesses are making uh, policies about entrepreneurship that that affect businesses. businesses. So you are there, why are you not having conversations with the regulators? Why are you not joining trade groups, industry groups that have conversations around policy? And then you give your voice Mm. as someone who is running a business in that space and you make sure that you are partaking of that. And so our entrepreneurs also have to realize their roles as active citizenships, Mm. active citizens Citizens, rather. In a lot of countries, we are even seen that it's entrepreneurs who are are running for government, who are running for for, public offices. And there's something around entrepreneurship that gives you leadership skills, you know, um, negotiation skills, yep. communication skills, yep. financial management skills that will also make a lot of entrepreneurs very good, even in, or potentially very good mm-hmm. in that. So my challenge back is also to say that for as long as you also choose to be in that business, understand the policies in your space. You cannot afford to be ignorant about the regulations that guide your business operations and you need to be engaged because you also then a front, you have a front row seat, not just to the policymaking. But when opportunities come and so when maybe a a foreign government wants to invest in a certain sector or even the government puts together a plan, you are at the table, you are there Mm. for them, for for the pilot program to be thought through with that. So, to summarise your answer, the outlook is 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 not exactly positive at the moment. We're in a pre-election year, so yeah. there are a lot of uncertainties that happened with pre-election. Um, this is a time to really watch, you know, what you spend, how you spend it. Um, it cannot be an emotional decision. You, you can't use emotional decisions to make every day decisions for your business. So what kind of products you build, expand, extend, your clients, your pricing decisions, managing your money, hiring decisions, mm-hmm. really have to be guided by what you're seeing right. as the potential viability or otherwise, and be active, be an active Player. citizen, Be understand the policies, be involved in that with it. I honestly feel that, you know, if we get things right, the entrepreneurs will be the first beneficiaries of that when you have a thriving economy right now entrepreneurs create 80% of the jobs. jobs in Nigeria yes. so and when I say entrepreneurs it's micro, small and medium enterprise entrepreneurs yes, I mean, that create 80%. exactly <laughs> you guys are creating the jobs so you have a front row seat to benefit from that There is also the, speaking of Nigeria and then Africa, there's also the opportunities for growth and scale, even outside of Nigeria. We have opportunities like the Africa Free Trade, Continental uh, Trade 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 uh, Agreement, agreement, that also makes it easy for borderless transactions and engagement. Um, That was signed, I believe, in the last two years, but it's still being domesticated. So um, as we sit now, there's still not clarity on what it then means, you know, around processes for entrepreneurs like our entrepreneurs to take advantage of. But I feel it's a potential opportunity for people to think about, you know, you selling your products from Ghana mm-hmm. all the way to Kenya, to South Africa, Mozambique and the like. Um, but also the opportunities with the digital economy, right? Um, if I look back and I ask a lot of entrepreneurs that we started with in 2000 to date, one of the things they always say is that they feel that some of you newer entrepreneurs <laughs> that you don't even understand and appreciate the opportunities that you have. There's so many you are not. There, one is not short of training programs. One is not short of even funding programs. So I know access funds always an issue entrepreneurs talk about. But yes. people are investing. People are supporting entrepreneurship in different ways. You know, even banks. You know, even with higher Interest rates still have more uh, products to support SMEs than they did years ago. So, so that and then even that the world is then gradually appreciating um, our culture, culture yeah. um, and and the, the the peculiarities that make things from Nigeria interesting. Mm. So, food. You know, I had this week literally at least two people I spoke with who are working to exp- export. Um, their products outside of Africa outside of Nigeria and even outside of Africa some of them have food package products they want to ship and sell and so interestingly even with the Jakpa movement, a lot of people are then seeing those people who are relocating as potential as customers. Potential, yes, of course, yes. But those people who are also relocating are also helping to expand, to expand Nigerian yes. branding and products true, and all true. of that. So, however way you look at it, the, the opportunities are, are within the risks, and one then just has to weigh them side by side. But, But... There's we we are actually in fact it's almost like we're really just starting after 22 years at Faith Foundation because yeah. the opportunities are really very limitless.
0: And I'm and I'm despite. happy. I'm happy to hear that. I mean, um, one thing one thing you talked about the, the, the rate the Exodus this wave of um, relocation has also opened markets for us who are resident here because now we do a lot of more exports of uh, our uh, local fabric yard the actual case to uk canada australia when five years ago that's that, that, that yes. didn't yes that, that, that didn't happen
1: mm-hmm. so it's and great I mean, and and even i want to just make a quick comment because i know part of the conversations is also scaling, scaling yes, you also know and one thing i want one thing we want to see though is that that export is then a standardized process it's not a suitcase process it is Uh, And which is why things around logistics, borderless transactions, even our financial policies, you know, uh, from a monetary perspective um, on how people are able to pay and buy for goods and products and services are there. Because for you, imagine if you could list your products on Etsy. Etsy, yes. And not it's not like you're looking. Oh, please, who is the next? Can if we, I look for someone who's traveling we'll to London to, to carry this <laughs> thing? So that's that for us. Is what scale would look like because you are then able to effectively trade and exchange your goods and services across borders, and then even properly then end the foreign exchange right. that you should. So those are the things that we, we would like to see, and that is what scale. Those are some of the evidences of scale so of scaling beyond your local
0: market so um, it's a good thing you talked about scaling because um, there's that i mean talk um, 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 from when you talked about the outlook of the for the Nigerian entrepreneur people need to be conservative about spending and all that is this, is it the right time to, to scale that's that's one question I know that of course it's a it's um, depending on your sector, depending yeah. on your, on your, scaling on your, on your mm-hmm. industry, scaling is different, priority for scaling is different. But then there's also the how. You really need financing to, to scale. Mm. For MSMEs, mm-hmm. um, banks are not exactly very friendly mm-hmm. and, I'm, and, I'm, and, and interest rates are high. So another question is, so to my two questions to, to you are, one, is it the right time to scale? Then two, um, for that for that entrepreneur who who has done this business for a few years and is, and and wants to as I say move on to the next level yeah. what 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 should what should they look out for
1: okay great those are great questions and i think i 'll start by defining what 's in my mind and over the years I will define as scaling. Okay. So when you're looking to scale your business and, like you said, grow to the next level, you're looking for the opportunity to, first of all, um, increase your product or service offering. offering Um, oh, sorry, offering of volume Volume, okay. Yes, because sometimes the people who are Monoproduct or oh. monoservice businesses right, right, And yes. what you want to do Is just increase your customers So either increase the number Of your customers Or increase the volume, volume. That your limited customers are. So that's number one but increasing your customers, that means that you then have to have the cash flow to enable you exactly. to increase that. And so the question then is, first, is there a potential market for this, my expanded, and appetite um, for my expanded product and service portfolio? And am I, um, do I have the data or confirmation that that market exists and is willing and able to take on that. That's number one. Once that question has been answered, the next thing is that what is then the financial and resource requirement to increase that product and service capacity? Am I going to expand to new facilities? Do I need to hire more people? Um, do I need new machines? Uh, do I need certain regulatory approvals mm-hmm. and processes? Uh, do I, Is it a market, marketing issue so people don't even know about me and it's just a visibility issue? Um, or are there other things I need to do in terms of business structure, processes, all of those things? Because when you then answer your question, the what is required to fund that becomes clearer? Right. And I'll come back to that, shortly. And then number three is then saying that once, you know, I'm certain that I've, 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 I've ticked all the buttons around making sure I have the right products, customers, and there's a clear market for that, and number two, I have the financing or cash flow to be able to enable that. Number three is that do I then have the capacity to grow, to, to, to take, take all of that and that, to expand? Yeah. What we found out is that people don't answer those questions well. So even when it comes to I need money, what do you need money money for? for. What do you need money for? What do you need money for? When do you need the money? Is it all the money you need at once? What do you need at each stage? Because before you go to a bank, if the bank is not giving you grants, so I would even, as a matter of fact, say that except you get to a certain level, the bank should never be Be your number one, number two, number three, Course. If it is not a special intervention fund, like a CBN fund is bust through a bank that is single-digit interest, um, banks really, the way most banks are structured are commercial, very commercial purposes, and a lot of our businesses really cannot afford, and, and they afford put the themselves details. in trouble for that. So that detailed work in saying that in answering those first two questions, because sometimes you want to scale, but you actually do not have a market that will take off your product and services and you don't want to create products and services that people will not will buy, not buy yeah. and all of that. Number two is then asking the question that, would my cash flow be able to support, you know, will, will improved cash flow, for instance, be able to support that um, that growth? Where else does money need to be invested in and what are the opportunities, opportunities. for me to finance that? Um, so, those are the details like you said earlier it depends on the kind of business that you're I mean, in yeah. so if you're in the fashion space for instance and you want to scale to then be doing ready to wear products that you're then sending abroad you're asking your questions around tailors around machines but even around not just any tailor but the type of tailors mm-hmm. that you would need the type of machines that you would need to have standardized process that will help you turn around you know the quantity the, the, the quantity well, it, and the volume yes. And the quality that you are then marketing out to. So once you are clear on that, you know, the, the, what we walk through people is then saying that you are in the fashion space. What opportunities exist in the fashion space? You may not be able to get money, but the, perhaps there's a government program that is providing machines. Mm. that you can get. So, clearly identifying the resources is important. Perhaps there's a government, and I'm using this as examples that I know have existed. Perhaps, so I need more people, but there's a government program that is training people to understand pattern making, tailoring, so perhaps I can get my resources from there. Some of them even to internship programs with that.
0: Yes. So, I get what you mean. Like There's so much focus on money, money, money. When I mean, I don't just have to give you the money. I can give you the machines you need. Yes. I can give you the expertise yes. you need. But we all focus on I need money. I need money. the cash. I need the cash. I need the, I need cash. the cash, yes. Okay, yes. okay. Yes. Okay. In fact, okay. this is
1: even a lesson we've learned even at faith. So there are partnerships that we have, and that's a model that we always encourage our entrepreneurs to think about. Where um, again, we are a nonprofit, so you know, it may not necessarily be it may be apples and oranges, but I want to use this as an example to get to something we have people who don't give, who partners who support us. They don't give us cash, but they support us with maybe internet, internet. support. Right. They support us with legal advisory, advisory services. services. And one of the things I realized, or technology, is that if they give us that money, and we were then going to pay another service, we will not even be able to get up to the value of what they're giving us. So that's also a recommendation that we make to a lot of our entrepreneurs, that if you are clear with what is needed to take you to the next level, you then have to look at the different options and the opportunities to resource those options. I know so many people who have gone into JV arrangements or who have gotten gotten into some sort of trade by better services who say okay um, either if we, so me work even what we call co now so both of us want to expand our fashion business, I keep using fashion because of yeah, go, 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 go. we want to expand our fashion business but we, we both need um, expanded tailoring lines mm-hmm. that we cannot afford. Let's set up somewhere where we can both co-share and who facilitate that. That's an option. Let us explore government programs and opportunities that are in existence that supply resources or even create some sort of financing, financing. opportunities for that. Um, if you require equipment, tools, there is the Bank of Industry. Yes, they are a bank, but they are a development finance bank, and so and they are looking to industrialise. So if I'm looking if I'm looking to scale, but I require a lot of production, a lot of equipment, machinery, I can get financing from them to be able to do that. So you you really have to be strategic in answering your question to scale because sometimes it will be better for for you to stay at the level that you You are, are if you are not ready to do that. And so when people ask me what is the first challenge, Number one will not be access to finance. The first thing around finance is even the knowledge of the entrepreneur in understanding Mm -hmm. what are the financial drivers of Of their business business. and what are the financial indicators that will help to take them to the Mm. next level. If they've not answered that question, they are not ready yet. Right. And they will likely get money and not and even know what they do with it. P- on, yes, on, on, and sconding some does not even mean that they they used it to <laughs> buy a car or something. It may just mean that they just did not apply it appropriately, and then they're then now. Burdened with debts
0: debt, that yes. they don't
1: have the cash flow to pay for, or they've gone into an arrangement with an investor and they, they can't they can't refund re- back.
0: So, I mean, as as a summary of what you say, you're up for for scaling. Yes, scaling is good. Yes, but only if it's done the right way. Yes,
1: scaling is good, as scaling should be one of the growth milestones of a business, business, you know. Uh, But that growth milestones come with knowing that, first of all, you started to generate income. Number two, your income has exceeded your expenses, so you're moving on profitability. Mm -hmm. Number three, you fully utilize your operation, so you're, what economists call, oh my goodness, I can't believe I missed (laughs) it. But making sure you're optimally Optimally using your resources, resources, and you are stretching it to the full extent possible. And then the next level is then, okay, now that you stress test that, you're then now um, you're there now moving to the next level where you can now have more customers, more products, but you have the capacity to fulfill them. And then what then happens is that for every naira you spend, it grows further because okay. you are fully optimizing for scale. Right. Than, yeah.
0: So I mean I, I asked this question in class, and this is this gonna be my final question because I can ask questions all, all, all day. It's been a so, good conversation. So which should come first? I expand mm-hmm. in anticipation for the growth coming, or I grow to the point where, man, I'm stretched, then I expand?
1: Uh, so what we'll you know, it's the thing that starts small with a big vision. With a big vision, yes. You know, so the clarity must always, you have to start with what you can do, and what you can deliver right. at that time, but you should have a very bold, big, audacious vision, but you should also be clear on, for me to get to, Point two, what do I need to see? Mm, yeah. So we, we, and sometimes people come into entrepreneurship by chance. So sometimes it's not an active thing. You just you start baking a cake. People like it. And the next thing you're getting mm-hmm. orders for yeah. it. And before you know it, you have a full run bakery business. So even if you've come to it by chance, it is that. And that's why strategy planning is very important. And people always think, oh, it's a large corporate. No. So let's, let's even take away the nomenclature from it. It's just saying that I'm going from Lagos to Ibadan. How would I know that my journey is progressing? Lagos to Ibadan can either be by, by by foot, so I can walk from Lagos to Ibadan.
0: And I'll arrive next. And I will
1: arrive. <laughs> it can be by Okada. It can, it can be, be by, by bus. It Can be by train. It can be Lagos by car. It can be personal car. It can be train. You can even fly. Yes, you, you can. You know, so. What is what are the different routes Roots. I'm going to take? I mean, I've started out walking, but I realized, oh my goodness, this is going to take me 10 years to get me bottom. And, you know, because of insecurity, they were carrying me from the road. So maybe I'll walk five minutes, take Okada uh, when I get to Ogeri and take bus. It is not one path. But if you understand the different options and the opportunities, and you always sit down and reflect, you know, you can then say, okay, am I progressing or I'm not? And I think the last thing I will say is that Entrepreneurs have to realize that it's not a do-it-alone journey, because you are the risk taker. You are passionate about the business, but you need to bring in other people who can advise, mm-hmm. give you guidance, so that even in the midst of things, they're either showing you pointers of things you may have missed, they encourage you on things that you can keep on doing, or they even give you guidelines on you know the way to view um, to view your 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 experiences. Getting experiences of other people who've also been that path also reduces. So if you if you know where I've gone from Lagos, but you know that you cannot walk. Just like it will not make sense to walk because mm-hmm. people will think you're a madman. Yeah. So rather than going through that, the person will say, okay, maybe you have money for a car. You know, just do, there's a standard transport system that can take you with that. Oh, no, we have a train system. So I know we're making jokes around it, but really it's to take the idea that the journey you want to work from small to big yeah. uh, should be audacious, but you should be clear on the path to that. The path also changes. So make sure that, you know, every quarter, every six months, you reassess to say, okay, this was my goal. How far, How have, I far have I gone? If I progressed, why did I progress? Was it in line with what I thought or something happened? Because that assessment also allows you to take make room for uncertainties mm-hmm. in the environment yeah. and all of that. Number three is... Also learning through the lens of other people who have walked through similar journeys so that there are mistakes you don't need to make. Number four is also exploring partnerships along that journey, along the way, where they can also help you to accelerate your growth and scale. Number five is learning from failures. There would always be failures. And that lesson should then be, what could I have done differently? Uh, What would I do next um, next time from that? So those will be my suggestions, again, based on what I know a lot of entrepreneurs have gone through in terms of just making the decision to do that. Number six would be, it also depends on you some of our businesses are okay with their businesses being, small being
0: like businesses. that. Yes. They
1: do not have and when you say oh this thing you are doing <laughs> even to be excited but they do not they even have want no to plan. Do, They have no plan. And is that so, okay? It is okay. It is okay because it is also around personal fulfillment. Fulfillment, yes. You know yeah. and that's the diversity mm. of entrepreneurship. If you go to develop economies you've seen small mom and shop that have run for years. for years. And generations. Generations. Another generation might then now come and say okay we want to scale this. But start. so it's also dependent on you. Some people also start businesses and they want to sell it. You know, um, they want to sell it. I have one of our entrepreneurs who is like in the next two years, I'm just going to sell this business, you know. But there's some of our businesses and entrepreneurs, and I see you at something like that that are till 70, 80, I'm on this, it, you know, We'll be kicking yes, it. So. you know, Europe, America, yes, Asia. So, yes, indeed. Yeah. So yeah. It, it depends on what you yourself. What you What you feel, you have to sort of go to that Maslow's hierarchy Hierarchy, and say, what is fulfillment for you? What is the journey you want to define for entrepreneurship, for yourself, for now? Because you may change. You may even have something larger, but then your mind changes in two years. So always continue reflecting on that too.
0: Thank you so much, Adenike. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for gracing our chair. My it's been a very interesting conversation. So, for that entrepreneur who wants to attend the faith program, um, can you just shed light on some of your programs and where where they can um, reach reach um, Faith Foundation for for um, the Faith School, the Faith Institute, advisory, and and any other platforms?
1: Thank you. Um, so, our Faith School of Entrepreneurship exists to support anybody looking to start build and scale their business and at whatever stage that you were in from idea stage to an already established business and we have a wide range of uh, of programs that cut across your age your sector um, and they deal with a mix of training because there's the knowledge you require Mm -hmm. and it's a very as you know it's very interactive it's very practical and we have literally a whole resource portfolio that that accompanies the training. It has mentoring support because we believe in guidance, insights, you know, and help from other people who are also able to handle you on that. It has advisory support where you can get access, not just during the program, but after the program, to people who are able to give you technical guidance and advice for free. And then we can then also refer you to paid services that are pro bono on it. But it also has the community for it because sometimes you just want to sit and talk with people and Oh, no, that's on know. the journey. Exactly that's understand that the, the journey. And there's yeah. some. There's something about a community that sometimes just makes the difference. And I think for us, that's also the icing on the cake. So if you want to know about Faith Foundation, please visit our website, faithfoundation.org. Um, if you're in Lagos, visit us at 16 Town Planning Way in Ilupaju. Um, All our social media handles are at Faith Foundations. We have two major flagship programs, one for those who are early, early, early stage business, the Aspiring Entrepreneurs Program. In fact, another, uh, our last run for this year is starting early, September, and then the Emerging Entrepreneurs' Programme, which is for more experienced, owner-manager businesses are looking to scale to the next level um, and that's also, the next one is also starting in September okay. for that. We have some free programs and then we have some paid programs but we ca- guarantee you that the paid programs are a tenth of what you pay for the value you get. we yes, I, I Being I, I exposed conquer. to world-class faculty including yep. our founder, Mr. Fola Adiola, and so many other leading entrepreneurs and professional leaders who act as mentors, guidance, advisors for that it's definitely an unregrettable journey so we we welcome all faith entrepreneurs to to the faith school
0: yes yes and i must say um 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 the faith the eep emerging entrepreneur was one of the highlights for my year um i met amazing people and that have opened my eyes my mind to to many more opportunities that I wouldn't have known. So, a big thank you to you and your team.
1: No, thank you for, for entrusting you. us with your entrepreneurial journey. It's been such a pleasure to meet you and You're also welcome. have you now. <laughs>
0: yes, yeah, so, yeah, so that's, that's me. Anyways, that's, that's, just for that's, just for that's just for another day. Um, yeah. Thank you. Thank, well, thank you
1: for inviting me. You're was welcome. It, it, was, it
0: was a, a pleasure. It was an absolute honor um, to have to have you on on our chair the the CEO i was going to say you i knew you as the ed but now you are the ceo but have, have you changed roles no, are you i have
1: always been the chief executive officer right. for faith foundation, foundation. Okay. but with non-profits the term is executive director so it's the same role same roles same. all right
0: so so thank you very much
1: thank you so much care. thank, thank you. you
0: um thank you all for listening um to the coffee and beans podcast i'm sure you have you, you have had a good time listening. If you have questions, um, comments, or inquiries, please do send us a mail at um, coffeebeanspod at gmail.com. We are on Twitter and Instagram at coffeebeanspod. Coffeebeanspod Pod is spelled um, I have a day job. <laughs> and you can you can find us on at as spoken clothiers. Shout our spoken clothiers. spoken clothiers without the e. Yeah. Um. Well. Till the till the, yes. And also remember this episode was sponsored by Udalu. Udalu is a platform that connects professionals to clients. Till the next episode of the Coffee Beans Pod. Drink coffee and stay fresh.